The year was 1953. Queen Elizabeth II had already succeeded her father, George VI, upon his death in February the year before. But on May 1st, almost exactly a month before her official coronation, the Queen was not acting like a typical new ruler of a modern country. She was praying every day and reading private devotions, especially written for her by the Archbishop of Canterbury, to help her spiritually prepare to become the figurehead of the United Kingdom. Hi, I'm Charles Morris. You're listening to the Great Stories Podcast. And today we're traveling to England and speaking with Catherine Butcher about the faith of Queen Elizabeth II, who is about to celebrate her 70th year on the throne as the longest reigning monarch in England and third longest in all of world history. But more important, she is a steadfast follower of Christ. Catherine literally wrote the book about Her Majesty's faith. It's called Our Faithful Queen. And if you want to learn more, just visit haventoday.org to take a look and get your copy as our thanks for your gift to Haven Ministries. But right now, let's get this podcast started and let's listen in on my conversation with Catherine Butcher. Welcome to Haven Today. We're going to England for our program, and uh, we're leading up to a special time, a platinum jubilee for Queen Elizabeth. On the same year that I was born, and I'm getting old, she became queen. So I want to welcome for the very first time to Haven Today from Eastbourne, United Kingdom in England, Catherine Butcher. Catherine, thank you for joining us today on the program. Lovely to meet you, Charles. You know, it's um, important to have you on a few years ago when it was a significant birthday for the Queen. Uh, we had a colleague give yours on. Both of you had written a book about the Queen called The Servant Queen. Now for um, the Platinum Jubilee, you have written a book alone, uh, and it's called Our Faithful Queen. So that's why we wanted to have you on the program today. But like me, you were a journalist at one time in your life, weren't you? That's right. Trained on the local newspaper here in Eastbourne and uh, have worked for lots of different organisations over the years, publishing magazines and books. But this book particularly excites me because it's an opportunity to reveal something of the Queen's faith. And I, I came across this tiny little book in Lambeth Palace Library called the Little Book of Private Devotions, and it was written by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Geoffrey Fisher. That's the Archbishop when the Queen was crowned. And he had written this book so that the Queen could prepare spiritually for her coronation. And it's, it's a devotional book. It's got Bible readings, it's got prayers, and then devotional thoughts. So as a journalist, I was excited because I felt I got a bit of a scoop because people had mm -hmm. never talked about this. But also as a Christian, it's so exciting to see the preparation that the Queen made from the 1st of May right through to her coronation day, praying daily, reading the Bible, reflecting on the spiritual importance of different aspects of the coronation. So 
as a journalist, um, yeah, I love to write. As a magazine journalist, I love to choose pictures. So our, this new book, Our Faithful Queen, combines my love of pictures, my love of the Queen's faith, and, and most of all, the, the reflection of who Jesus is in what she says. I did let's 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 dig into that a little bit and I think one of the most interesting points that shows her faith you include a picture in the book of Queen Elizabeth with Billy Graham and many people don't know that Billy Graham had an impact on her life as he did so many of our listeners in North America at least tell us about that well uh, Billy Graham as you know came to the UK to do crusades and was making the news. And people who've watched the, the series, the, the fictional series, The Crown, will have seen Billy Graham as part of that. Uh, and the Queen invited Billy Graham to preach at uh, one of her chapel services. And he said in his autobiography that she was obviously very interested in the Bible because it's a tradition when someone preaches in one of the royal chapels on an occasion when the Queen is present, then they're invited back for lunch. And the conversation is about the sermon. And the Queen has shown herself to be someone who's very knowledgeable about the Bible. But it's not just a head knowledge. This is someone, and the Queen is someone who as a child, spent the first half an hour of every school week reading scripture. That was her first lesson of the week with her governess. Mm. And then her own mother was a subscriber to daily Bible reading notes, and she read Bible stories to her children and taught them to pray. And the Queen Mother's own parents were people who read the Bible for an hour a day to their children. So the Bible has been very much part of the Queen's life. And then when it came to the coronation, the first thing she was presented with was a Bible. The Church of Scotland it plays a part in the coronation ceremony. Mm -hmm. and, and she was presented with this Bible. And the words that were used was, this is the most valuable thing that the world affords. Which is ironic, really, because she's about to be presented with one of the largest diamonds in the world. But it's the Bible that is the most valuable thing this world affords. So... It's, it's very exciting to explore how her personal faith comes out uh, in these important points in her life. You know, Catherine, um, this is so interesting. I didn't realize about how much uh, the Bible means to the queen, how much she's read it in her life, how her family has read the Bible before her. Um, but Let's talk about personal faith. I mean, it's one thing for the Queen to invite Billy Graham to come over to preach at a royal chapel, and then he gets to stay for lunch. But there's something personal about her faith. It's not just she's the head of the Church of England, and so she wants to be a good example and live a high uh, moral life. And we'll talk about moral living in a little bit. But but there's something more to it than that, isn't there, for her? Yes. the Queen. Um, writes her own speeches for the Christmas broadcast to the Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's when we begin to realize how important Jesus Christ is to her, because invariably she mentions Jesus in those broadcasts. And in 2014, for example, she said, for me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, whose birth we celebrate today, is an inspiration and an anchor in my life. 
And then she talks about Christ's example has taught me to respect and value people of all faiths and none. And she talks about Christ's example helps me to see the value of doing small things with great love. She's someone who talks personally about her faith and talks about Jesus being the, the anchor in her life. And the strength that she draws on is, is the strength of Christ. So she's, And then she, she uses Bible stories in those Christmas broadcasts and she talks so naturally. I wish every Christian could have such a natural way of talking about Jesus. But, mm-hmm. but she does. And she'll, she often to, she's told the story of the Good Samaritan more than once. And she seems to recognize in Jesus an example, someone who was sacrificial, but also was someone who was forgiving. And she's talked again about forgiveness and duty, lots of different aspects of, of, of an ordinary Christian's life come out in her Christmas broadcasts. Mm. And, and that's, that's something that she's been doing. Uh, well, it preceded her, but she's certainly done it every year of uh, her monarchy, right? Yeah, there was one when she was expecting or about to have a baby. She didn't, but yes, she's, she's broadcast um, her Christmas broadcast every year. And I think something, I, I, I believe I've heard this before, you know, she has many homes, <laughs> many mansions, many palaces. Uh, many people go on holiday or vacation and uh, they don't go to church, even if they would normally go to church. Well, even when she's at one of her many other houses besides Buckingham, uh, she goes to church, doesn't she? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and if during lockdown there were private services and when she and her mother and her sister remembered her father's death every year on the 6th of February they would have a private communion service so her private faith is very much part of her life worshipping God and she sits in a, a fairly normal pew I've been to the church in Sandringham and seen the pew that she sits in it's rather scruffy and when the Queen arrives in, in church, she comes in through a side door, no ceremony. She sits in the pew. She stands to sing, just like everybody else. Mm. Well, that's kind of good to hear. She's normal. She's normal. If you just joined us, you're listening to Haven Today. Our guest is coming to us from Eastbourne in, uh, on the south coast of England. And her name is Catherine Butcher. And she has written the book, on the Platinum Jubilee of Queen Elizabeth, and it's called Our Faithful Queen. Catherine, there's a lot of history, many years of history, behind Queen Elizabeth. She's one of the longest reigning monarchs ever, right? Absolutely, yes. She she came to the throne as a young woman because her father died as a young man, and her uncle had abdicated. So when she was a 10-year-old, she wasn't expecting to be queen at all. And then suddenly her father became king. She changed her whole life. Suddenly her father became king and her whole life changed from being probably the life of uh, a country gentlewoman looking after horses and corgis. And her life began as the heir apparent, the person who was going to become a queen. And so her whole life has now been devoted to our service for these 70 years. And yes, in the UK, she's the longest serving monarch. Anything about times of war? I mean, when, when the world was unsettled and 
she had something to say. She spoke out. Anything on that? Yes. I mean, I can say that um, when she was 13, and uh, this was December 1939, she was 13, and her father had to give a speech to the nation. And she gave him the poem, uh, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. And that shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. And that was a poem that she wrote, um, that she handed to her father. It was a poem that was she quoted when she wrote the foreword to our book, the servant queen and the king she serves. And also when Prince Philip died, Sophie Wessex came out to talk to the cameras about the, the death of her father-in-law. And, and she said it was as if someone took his hand and led him away. And I thought that reflected back to that poem mm -hmm. that had obviously been important to the queen, had he yes. been her own father. And then, and that's a poem that is that is in St George's Chapel in Windsor. So, I think it's a lovely image of putting your hand into the hand of God. And that was a poem that encouraged people as war began, and has obviously encouraged the Queen as she sought to put her hand into the hand of God. And that, I think, Catherine, is something that has continued. Uh, uh, that poem, there, there have been echoes of that sense, right? Yes. When Prince Philip died, uh, Sophie Wessex and her family came out to talk to the cameras. And Sophie said it was as if someone took his hand and led him away as he died. And, and that seemed to reflect that poem uh, that talks about how we can put our hand into the hand of God. And that's a safe place and God can lead us forward. Perfect. Catherine, um, the church is in disarray, the Church of England. The Queen's family is in disarray today. I mentioned earlier darkness. Uh, a perverse generation is how Philippians describes the time that we're living in right now, a crooked, perverse generation. And yet the Queen, she stays on task, doesn't she? She, she wants to remain faithful to her king. She does. And her coronation oath was partly to uphold the Church of England and to she's seen as defender of the faith. We have what's called the General Synod of the Church of England, which is the governing body of the church here in England. And the Queen opens each of the, the five-year sessions. And so in 2010, at her opening speech, she talked about what matters most. She said, what matters is holding firmly to the need to communicate the gospel with joy and conviction in our society. So she comes straight to the point. What really matters when all these different things are being discussed and people are disagreeing about all sorts of different things. What matters, she said, was holding firmly to the need to communicate the gospel with joy and conviction. And she often talks about her faith is joyful. When Prince George was christened, she talks about him being baptized into the, the Christian life of joy and faithful service. She's someone who recognizes her Christian faith as joyful, but also dutiful. And in the next synod, that's the one where I became part of the, the general synod in 2021, 20, she sent Prince Edward to 
read her speech for her. And he talked about the need to bring the people of this country to the knowledge and love of God. And she, she also acknowledged that the country has a richly diverse society. But she said, yes, we want to bring people to the knowledge and love of God. So I think that she obviously, someone who's very aware of the differences across the Anglican communion, and yet her focus is the gospel and bringing people to that knowledge of God's love. What do you think Elizabeth the Queen can teach all of the rest of us around the world about our faith, our need for Christ? Well, I think it goes right back to the coronation, the most the secret part of the coronation that you couldn't see on camera because it was seen, seemed to be so sacred was the anointing. And as she prepared for her, her coronation anointing, she was invited to consider Jesus' baptism and that point when the Holy Spirit came on him and his ministry began. And for the queen, that sacred moment was when the royal robes were removed the jewels were removed, and she came to God in her own person as an ordinary woman to be anointed by God. And that's something that is available to mm. all of us. The Holy Spirit anointing is available to all of us mm. to empower us to serve. And so I think the Queen can teach us that in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be people who can serve others. We can be people who can, can forgive. I mean, remember, she was someone who reached out in forgiveness to a member of the provisional IRA who had perhaps been involved in the murder of one of her cousins. So the Queen is someone who's put her faith into practice and has talked about how important forgiveness is. She's talked about serving our neighbour. She's talked about uh, loving someone and um, she's talked about loving our neighbours and treating them as we would want to be treated. So mm. she's someone who has given us a real example of what it is to be a follower of Jesus, someone who is empowered to do what she does in the power of the Holy Spirit. Catherine, it must be really hard for a professing Christian, longest reigning monarch, platinum jubilee coming up in just a few days. It must be so hard with all the problems that she's seen in her family. And yet... The number one reason that we get prayer requests at our ministry, people call us for prayer and they ask for prayer for their children who have left the faith, who are not following Christ. Um, you want to dip your toe in that water at all? Well, back in 1978, uh, the, the Queen said in her Christmas broadcast, Christians have the compelling example of the life and teaching of Christ. And for myself, I would like nothing more than my grandchildren should hold dear to his ideals. And then in a year when three of her children's marriages broke down and Windsor Castle burned down with a, a horrendous fire, in that year, which she called an Annus Horribilis in Latin, uh, she thanked people for praying for her and said how much their prayers had sustained her. And throughout her reign, she has asked for prayer She's thanked people for prayer, but she's also said that she's praying for us. So in lockdown, when we were all unable to meet and she talked about how people would just like a simple hug, she said that she was praying for us. So I assume she prays for her children. I can't make any assumptions on that one, um, but she's someone who prayed for her children as she prepared for her coronation. She prayed for the family and their life together. 
and I'm sure she continues to pray for them. And yes, like anyone, she has had difficulties in the family. In that little book of private devotions, uh, Geoffrey Fisher talked about how she would have a crown of glory, but also a crown of thorns. And one mm. of those thorns, perhaps, is always being in the public eye, always being in the media. And the media want to see the scandal. They want to see the brokenness <laughs> and the arguments. But actually, she's someone who has reached out in forgiveness and has said, even to the more, more difficult members of the family, you will always be much loved members of my family. So there's someone who's a mother first and, and yes, a monarch. Mm, good to hear. That is so good to hear. Thank, thank you for sharing that. I think we all needed to hear that. And that's an encouragement for all of us. If the queen can pray and pray her for her family and for her grandchildren, uh, that's, that's a good example. And she wants to be an example. You think she has a few more years if the Lord gives them to her to remain as the queen? Well, we have We've sung the, the national anthem that says, God save our gracious queen, long live our noble queen. We sing that in all sorts of occasions here in the UK. And the queen has lived a long life, but I'm trusting that she'll live as long as her mother. Her mother lived until she was 101. And it would be good to have the queen with us for another five years or so as mm. someone who's a tremendous example and someone who has shown us what duty and sacrifice and service are all about someone who is really hard working here in the uk the government sends her a, a red box it's a, a big box of documents and she looks at those every day uh, apart from christmas and easter she studies the papers from the government and that at 96 most people have stopped working 30 years before her but she <laughs> continues to work and although she may have some mobility problems right now uh, she's still very sharp and the pictures we've seen of her most recently she's smiling and um, from those who are on the inside I'm told that she's still as bright as ever. Wow well she lost Philip her husband she's had COVID now but apparently it's not long COVID then. She's still sharp as a tack then. No brain fog. Would seem to be, yes. Wow. Oh, that's great. That's great. It, it, it may be a little hard because I'm an American. Uh, we don't quite understand the role of the queen. We don't understand the importance the queen has. Now, many of our Canadian listeners would have a little better idea of that because they're in the Commonwealth. What does the average Brit think about their queen, even if they're not a believer? Even Republicans will recognize that the queen is someone who is sought to serve. There's lots of people who are not interested in royalty at all, but she's an example of someone who has been gracious and she has held her dignity uh, throughout her long reign and continued to serve us and the Commonwealth. It is a constitutional role. It's not like um, a president or a prime minister. Her role is, is purely constitutional. So she has no actual power. She has to sign laws into, into being, but she can't really say one way or the other. But she has the right to be consulted and to warn and to advise her prime minister. So she has weekly meetings with the prime minister of the day, and she's had many. Right, going, going right back to Winston Churchill. And so she's someone with tremendous wisdom um, gathered from all those years of talking through the 
the issues of the day and she keeps herself very well informed she loves the commonwealth so she loves to have this this big family around the world that are connected by friendship this is not some kind of imperialism anymore this is something where people are part of a commonwealth of nations to be friends and to support one another so for example when there were terrible floods and fires in uh, the south pacific it was the commonwealth countries that gathered around the, the small islands there and and sent aid so I think she's very proud of that, proud of that achievement to have strengthened the Commonwealth, even though the British Empire has, has long since gone. Speaking from an American perspective, uh, Catherine, um, to be the Queen of England seems so formal. Uh, you bow, you curtsy. Uh, you know, she is so all put together and always has been. Is there warmth there? Is there something beyond just the formality uh, to her personality? I think she has become more relaxed of late. One of the first celebrations of her Platinum Jubilee was an event at Windsor uh, with lots of horses, the Windsor Horse Show. And at one point, she just obviously didn't agree with what the, the commentator was saying and just shrugged in a very natural shrug uh, that showed <laughs> an element of emotion. And then on other occasions, you'll see her smile uh, in a very warm, warm way. Um, and off camera, she's natural. There was a story that I was told by a fellow journalist that he was hoping to get home for his child to be born, his first child. And he was on the royal plane. He, he was hoping to get home for the birth of his first child and he wasn't going to be able to. He was on the royal tour and the Queen heard that he was going to have difficulty to get back. And she made a space for him to sit on her plane to get home so he'd be in home in time for the birth. Just an ordinary thing that wasn't going to be trumpeted to anyone um, off, off camera, a very kind action. And then in her face, she... Yes, the cameras are always there. I, I've been to various palaces. I'm a bit of a royal watcher. So I've been to Sandringham when the Queen is staying at Sandringham and comes to Sunday and she attends church. There aren't many cameras there, but there are always some. But she's there. She's going to church and she's having a conversation with the vicar on his way out and she's inviting him back for Sunday lunch. And then... On occasions when other people would perhaps not think of having a Christian service, for example, on the anniversary of her father's death, it was a regular practice for her mother, Princess Margaret and the Queen to have communion together in a private ceremony uh, in Sandringham to mark the, the day that he had died. And most of us wouldn't have chosen to have a Christian service as a, a way of remembering our much-loved mm. father, and yet she chose mm. to. And there are no mm. cameras, and people mm. don't know about that, apart from those people who read biographies assiduously like I do. Um, mm. So, yes, there's a formality, because she has to attend formal services. And because of her age, she's someone who loves the Book of Common Prayer and the authorised version of the Bible, which is these and those language. And she likes the old hymns rather than perhaps the more contemporary ones. But she said to watch, uh, we have a programme here in the UK called Songs of Praise every Sunday. 
and mm-hmm. it's a it's about 60 years old it's been going for all that that time and it includes lots of hymns and testimonies from around the country and it's not on primetime tv anymore and yet the queen said to watch that regularly so she's someone who seems to want to feed her faith in private worship in public worship and in in her personal bible reading because you don't have a, a well-read copy of the bible by your bed unless you're the person reading it mm. all right catherine butcher or kath as your friends call you and you're allowing me to call you too what have i not asked you that i should have asked you that you really wanted to tell me about the queen and maybe her faith or something else about her life that we might not know. And I haven't even asked you about our corgis. <laughs> well, we've <laughs> talked about a little bit about the coronation ceremony and that little book of private devotions. And one of the things that she reflected on at the beginning of that little book was that life is a journey to God. And one of the things that she was encouraged to, to reflect on was this, this sentence, the whole of life is a journey to God. Sometimes the Bible records special journeys undertaken for special purposes in answer to a call from God. Such will be my journey to Westminster. It will be undertaken in obedience to a call from God. So the Queen sees her role as something that is a calling. It's a vocation. And the coronation ceremony is very much like uh, the priesting. So that the robes, the uh, communion service that it's set in, these are all part of a Christian Um, they're all the coronation is very much a christian context held in an abbey it's not just a crowning that's a some kind of civic ceremony this is very much a christian service and so she anticipated that and i think one of the other things that stood out for me as i read that little book was that she talked about that that she was making these promises until her dying day so many people talk about whether the queen will abdicate or not in favor of Mm. prince charles Mm-hmm. She sees this as something that she's been called by God to do for all of her life, and she will seek to serve God until her dying day. Mm. Amen to that, Catherine Butcher, author of Our Faithful Queen. Do you mind praying before we go? Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Queen. We thank you for her example of service and duty. We thank you for her love for your son, Jesus. And we ask, Father, that you will bless her, that you will continue to give her health and strength. You will continue to enable her to witness to you and to be a leader who is able to inspire others to find out more about you. So, Father, bless her, particularly at this Platinum Jubilee season. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. Catherine Butcher, author of Our Faithful Queen. It has been a delight. Thank you for joining me on Haven today. Thank you, Charles. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Great Stories with Charles Morris. I'm also grateful for the time I got to spend with Catherine Butcher. She and I both used to be journalists, so it was fun to chat about the Queen and, more importantly, her faith in Jesus. Remember, If you want to learn more about Queen Elizabeth's faith and read some of her rarely seen personal prayers and devotions, you can find the fully illustrated book on our website, there at haventoday.org. Make a gift to the ministry. We'll send it to you right away. Now, if you want to hear more conversations like this, 
why don't you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts? And if you enjoyed this episode, please help us get the word out by leaving a five-star review. You can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover additional episodes posted on the blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris.